Oi, oi, Savaloys. It's Matt Whitmore here, one half of Fitter Food Radio, with the super duper, amazingly gorgeous and clever Keris Marsden. What's happening? What if one day you said someone else's name then? People would be like, what? Where's Keris? Have they split up? Are they still together? What's going on? Drama. Yeah, can you imagine? What would happen if we split up? Would we still run the business? Well, I think it depends, doesn't it? If it was like an amicable split, I'm sure we could meet up once a week to record Fitter Food Radio or... Maybe I'd set up a rival company. It's very nice, is it? Fitter, even fitter foods. Fitterist food. (laughs) Fitterer. (laughs) Fitterer food radio. (laughs) The thing is, though, all the women would have your back. <laughs> Some of the feathers might back me up. I don't know. I'm not so sure. I'm not so confident. Everyone be like running. Well, to be fair, in even as we run the business, we do bicker like mad, don't we? And actually, generally, most of the women on the team agree with me. And as most of the team are women, we. What do you mean, to... most of the team are women? <laughs> all the team are women. All the team are women. They, we, we have the final say. They basically. always have your back. <laughs> We, we need to start employing some feathers. No, but women are always right. So, so someone can back me up a little bit. You, you lot gang up on me. That's what you do. <laughs> but we are always right. We just you, need to make sure that you... You're not always right. I just end up agreeing because it just makes my life, life easier. easier. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anywho, we don't bicker that often, do we? Only because we're very passionate about various just, aspects just of the business. Care. Yeah. But we both have really different interests, don't we, in the business as well. So Yeah, well yeah, but in a way they they, they complement each other. Yeah, they? definitely. I'm more interested in food as medicine and kind of detail of nutrition. I'm, I'm more and... interested in just food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was gonna say food and athletic performance and training and that's that's kind of your area. You could read if it, in fact supplements you're always a bit like, Do we really need this, Keris? Should we really be taking this? What's this doing for me? As soon as someone announces a new training supplement, um, big boxes arrive. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, Just thought I'd try this. Have a try that. This little powder thing. I don't even know what it is, but it's supposed to be really good for It's a... well good, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Scientists say it's well good. <laughs> 12% more good than most other supplements on the market. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> I know I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for them kind of things. I, I, I'm, to- I'm totally get done by the old uh, supplement market employers. I think it's really. I'm such a hypocrite. Cause I'm always like, yeah, them supplement companies. It's all just clever marketing. <laughs> and there's me like, no click yet, yeah, purchase. In your defence, you're always looking at performance stuff. So it is kind of you like creatine or kind of amino acids or like, is it going to work for you or not? And you give a very honest response back. So you are kind of experimenting and feeding back. Did it make a difference to your kind of? you know lifting did it make a difference to your recovery and i think that's really beneficial for people to know because they respect you and and you've done it with and without so you've got kind of yeah you know, I, I do and you yes. don't like I'm, I'm very unbiased wasting money on those sorts of things whereas again even in functional medicine and what i do it is really tempting if someone brings out a new detox supplement even if it's expensive we're like oh my god but that would solve all our problems <laughs> like, let's take it I, it's funny because you're always nagging me about like if i ate less we'd be loaded <laughs> But, you know, if you bought less supplements and less food tests... Yeah, but I'm always testing stuff to see if my clients will benefit. It so is true. It's, it's, it's for the benefit of the people. Yeah, and if it's if I don't think it does benefit them. And also, I always do keep an eye on costs and think, if this is, for example, like a supplement like glutathione, which I used to take, was just so expensive. And so, you know, eventually I was kind of like, well, you can take precursor nutrients or, you know, just do other stuff to minimise toxin exposure. And test yourself and see if you need it. Mm. And you hate the taste of it anyway. So <laughs> it was vile stuff. It was vile stuff. Um, speaking of tests and things, yeah, you've been off learning even more about tests and things, <laughs> haven't you? Yeah, I hardly see you these it's, days, Keris. Then you are glad to get rid of me, so you can. I watch have to be fair. Films I, about I'm rappers. Book yourself on some more courses. Yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be good for you. I can lie on the sofa and Pick all that content and information we can have for podcasts. <laughs> what did you out. do? What do you do whilst I'm on these courses? Oh, lots of research. <laughs> lots of research, you know, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. You know, scoping out latest TV shows. Different flavors of popcorn. <laughs> 
But um, yeah, so talk to me, Keris. Latest latest course you've been on is talking about what? Right. So the latest course I did was on genomics or gene testing and um, what's well, sorry, no, no uh, genetic health. And a really kind of fashionable area in nutrition at the moment is nutrigenomics. So that is looking at how your nutrition fashionable fashionable the latest craze it does go through crazes nutrition though in, just the, like... in the naturopath circle <laughs> yeah them naturopaths we're all doing our matcha green tea right now no but it does go it does <laughs> is that what it's like you see someone with like a, a matcha green tea you're like omg that is like so yesterday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about turmeric what yeah, is she yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. it's like that <laughs> People have got like turmeric moustaches on the train now. It's like (laughs) orange, yellow, so on the turmeric. Um, But it does do that, and diets do that because it was funny when uh, when I was at uh, training, no one had heard of paleo, and no one was even touching it with the barge pole. All that meat, you know, everyone was quite acid alkaline blood group diet and this, that, and the other. And then paleo had its moment, and now on courses I'm going, and they're kind of going, the paleo diet is not good for microbial diversity in the gut. You need to diversify your food intake. So, you know, paleo's been and gone now. It's now... Ah, well, it's good job we're paleo-ish, isn't it? Well, it's all about just, I don't know, just balance, bits of everything, I kind of think. I, well, we, we say we almost come around, <clears throat> back around in circles, don't we, with it all? Yeah, 100% we do. And I think, like, uh, for us, I think what I'm quite proud of is that, like you say, you know, there's been the low-carb, there's been the low-fat, there's been the acid-alkaline, paleo had its moment, then it's if, it's, if it fits your macros, you know gluten-free elimination autoimmune whatever like there's all these different things out there and every now and again they kind of take it in turns if you like in terms of what's popular in in media circles and maybe get a little feature in a newspaper or whatever it may they be become, they become solutions to everyone's problems and that's none of these diets work like that there's no. they're, they're relevant to certain people at certain times absolutely some of them, not, so. all, not all that you listed there, but paleo, autoimmune, you know, elimination diets, gluten-free, definitely for some people. But like you're saying, then it just gets kind of fashionable to to follow a diet and to be eating a certain food and to be hashtagging it on Instagram. And, you know, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's all lost its way a little bit. But uh, the course I did on nutrigenomics, this area is getting very attractive to a lot of people because what everybody kind of wants is a little test they can do that says, you should eat this, don't eat this, this works for you, this is going to help you lose weight, this is going to bring out the best in you. That's what everyone wants. And that's what everyone's been looking for. When you look at things like metabolic typing, blood group diet, everyone kind of thinks that they've got it wrong and there is a a solution out there designed just for them with a list of foods that will just be just for them (laughs) and solve all their problems. And this is why nutrigenomics is kind of, um, that's how some people are approaching it. And that's not really where its strength lies. The strength in nutrigenomics is that you can now have a saliva test done. We've talked about having and done for DNA diet, DNA fit. So have a saliva test done. And what that feeds back is basically kind of a gene profile. And it looks at whether or not your genes are suited towards certain or basically how your genes have changed. So there's kind of um, generally when you get these genetic tests back, they're looking at what is the kind of standard population profile Mm -hmm. and then have you got kind of what we call mutations or they're called SNPs which is a single nucleotide genetic uh, polymorphisms I think or is it single nucleotide polymorphisms I only ever call them SNPs anyway Uh, do you have a SNP which means that a kind of mutation or change took place generally thought to bring out a better Mm -hmm. outcome in your environment in the past mm-hmm. um and so therefore certain you you've got kind of an a, an upregulated need for a certain nutrient or maybe you need to avoid certain things in your lifestyle so usually like a toxin of some sort um or because your kind of different biochemical pathways in the body are being affected by this snip so that's what people are testing so the main one you can go main route you can go down is 23 and me which uh, you can buy in kind of like high street stores now in the UK, Superdrug Online. So, but Twenty Three and Me is a <clears throat> is a gene testing company. So. Sorry, yeah. So yeah. you get sent the test kit. Yeah, yeah. They're the company, and all they're going to do is basically you give them a saliva sample, send it off. Big, big. It's quite a long turnaround, so it's a good couple of weeks. It goes off to the states. They did get closed down uh, by the FDA in in America at really? one point. Yeah, because they they didn't believe it was. Uh, right for people to know this information because right. the other thing that this these tests will tell you 
is, you, you know, you can be tested now for kind of the risk of cancer if you have like, right. the breast cancer gene, yeah, the BRAC okay. gene. Um, so obviously that's on there. And do you want to know, do you, you know, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? The Alzheimer's, um, <clears throat> have you got the kind of genetic profile that puts you at a greater risk of Alzheimer's? Right. And then some other diseases are on there. So when you get your login back, you go online and you log in and you see, it tells you some really obvious stuff like, are you likely to have brown eyes? Which, you know, it's quite important that you know that. Oh, I've never noticed. <laughs> and then it's got this section on disease risk. And what well, here then? What if that was wrong? You're not going to trust the rest of the test. <laughs> I want mine a bit more green <laughs> than brown. It's, that was a waste of money. I think I think, um, <laughs> I think I call it changes though, can't it? Really? Yeah. I'm sure I read something about it. Yeah, I'm sure I'm, I remember um, something like that. Only very vaguely, like you can go from like dark, dark brown to like, <laughs> I think, right. I'll have to look it up. But it's something to do more with like the, the eye, eye health. Anyway, when you get your 23 and me back, you have to read all the terms and conditions and tick lots yeah. of boxes, which no one reads, uh, to say that you're ready to take on this information. Um, and then basically at that point, uh, what some companies are doing are trying to take that data and uh, give you like a detox report. So right. you can feed that data into one company is Prometheus, uh, which I used originally. And there's various different people giving um, providing software to interpret the results because it's quite hard to understand. The I was going to say, surely, you know, it's one thing doing the test, isn't it? But then actually being able to interpret the results properly and yeah. not kind of worrying yourself sick because you have found out you've got a, a snip that could potentially increase your chances of developing cancer or Alzheimer's or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know. That's why there's kind of an argument about whether this should be in the hands of people who aren't getting professional help with it, you know. Yeah. And um, there is – so the, the course I attended was by um, Ingenious Health, and I have to give them a huge shout-out. And to any practitioner looking to kind of upskill in, in nutrigenomics, I highly recommend you do their courses. I did methylation, and I'm going back to do their detox course. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, so intelligent. They use lecturers from College of Naturopathic Medicine. So they kind of walked you through the biochemistry of it, which was so useful for me to understand – how is this, how can I use this in practice? Because at the moment I've got different tools, like um, I can use a stool test or an organic acids test looking at urine samples, which tell me about someone's B vitamin status or um, have they got dysbiosis in the gut, you know, too much bad bacteria. So this is kind of another tool which answers the question, why? So why is this person always recover, always suffering from kind of this, this recurrent nutrient deficiency maybe, uh, despite making changes to their nutrition and their mm-hmm. lifestyle? Why is it? Why does it keep happening? And one reason could be that they've got um, a genetic SNP that give, means that they actually need greater amounts of that nutrient than the right. kind of average Joe. The way that one of the ways they explained it, when you do get your 23andMe back, you, it's really hard to understand. Uh, it's just loads of code. It looks like Morse code. It looks really like, wow. Morse uh, code. <laughs> I don't know. Just, yeah, that's more, dots and numbers. And it's letters, sorry. It's dots and dashes, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it looks... It, it makes about as much sense as Morse code when you first look. You can download the raw data and you're like, what is this? And I admit I did this... So I did this uh, a long time ago now and we've dabbled with DNA uh, reports before and I kind of was a bit like it's mainly telling me things that I know I'm not really sure what the benefit is and it's it's getting it gets quite overwhelming um, I think I'm just better focusing on kind of gut health and uh, you know getting a really good case history from a client because that's more beneficial to me and, mm-hmm. and understanding where the the kind of the background of their family uh, health and you know what's their current diet and lifestyle like um, and that in itself can be difficult in a consultation because everyone isn't that honest or maybe even that self-aware at first about stress levels and things. They have to go, I'm not that stressed. And then I look at like their hours at work and stuff and I'm like, you are stressed, you know. So anyway, this is kind of th- a thing that I can add in. And the way that it was explained uh, to us on the course, which I really loved, was that kind of um, genetic codes are almost like sentences of instructions that tell the body how to do certain tasks. And the way that we could talk about SNPs is kind of like, a letter has changed in that sentence. So the general gist of the sentence is the same. Um, but maybe, so for example, if it's a sentence, um, I can't think, just think of a random sentence, but instead of saying in, it said on, it changes the entire meaning of it. So think of it in terms of a recipe. Mm-hmm. And it's if it said, put the, the, um, put the mincemeat in the pan, and then it says, put the mincemeat on the pan. That's a really bad example, isn't it? But oh, you get, man. you catch the gist. That, that was terrible. <laughs> that was really bad. But that anyway, it's, it's a different outcome. <laughs> Let me think of another one. I was trying to think of an in-on example, but that would be a, that would be a snip. Do you see what I mean? In that gene code. 
Yeah. So like it's there's just like a slight a change. slight change. Yeah, but, but generally it, a... it was because at some point in someone's environment that would have had a benefit to them. So if I go back to the actual mutations, it's probably easier to explain it. Um, a really easy example to understand is vitamin D. Okay. Uh, so generally we get vitamin D from the sun and the sun basically, um, once UVB rays hit the skin, the body is able to synthesize vitamin D3, active vitamin D. We have receptor sites for this and, and uh, genes that code for that. And you grew up somewhere or generations before you came from an environment that had a lot of UVB exposure, so very warm climates. Mm-hmm your body may think actually will downregulate the need for, will we'll downregulate vitamin D receptors because there's just so much UVB, we don't need them. Right. Makes sense? Yeah, yeah. So uh, there was that, that gene mutation takes place, but then what if that population, that person decides to uproot and move to UK or, God forbid, Scandinavia and <laughs> they get no daylight exposure yeah. and their kind of bodies are used to or climatized to being in, in a, a really sunny environment, then that mutation suddenly isn't beneficial to them. But it was at one point. See how that happens? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So the gene changes are taking place to usually for some sort of, it's believed to be a benefit. Um, some of them just aren't understood why, why, why that gene is different to the majority of the population. So you have that mutation, but most people don't. So it's perceived to be an, a negative thing, but that's argued. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. So some people are saying, don't use the term negative. No one wants to kind of read why they've got a, negative gene mutation Mm. that's going to have implications well i mean so we're we're talking about gene testing here yeah Yeah. so and you've already kind of pointed out that you know you you'd probably be able to tell a huge amount from kind of like doing like a one hour or so consultation with somebody yeah based on like a questionnaire that you've given them beforehand or the the line of question you might ask them about their current diet lifestyle sleep stresses work etc at what point do you suggest someone does a gene test? If, if really and truly, you're not going to do it off the bat, are you? Someone comes in, hi, Keris, I'm a 45-year-old woman looking to lose five stone. Um, okay, I need to know, you're not I need to go, know what gosh, APOE you are. Do, let's do a gene test. <laughs> no. No, and I think in a – but this is almost what people want. So they want to believe... Something like that almost feels a bit more prescriptive. Yeah, yeah. So that's why DNA diet is quite popular because they But how feel, much is it? Well, it's expensive. That's the thing. So uh, I think... I can't remember what DNA diet, DNA fit is. 23andMe has just gone up to £149. Mm-hmm. And then Ingenious Health will run the reports. And I love their reports. I have to say, if you've done 23andMe, run it through Ingenious because... Okay, so so Ingenious used the 23andMe results. Yes. And yeah. they help you interpret it. Yeah. And so they have, a, they have a basic report of 25 quid, which is useful. It's got things on okay. there like... That's not too bad then, I guess. It's got a really nice profile for kind of... For most lay people to kind of understand. Practitioners are probably going to want to buy the more detailed reports, which do... Um, detoxification mm-hmm. and methylation and well, estrogen. I suppose like you said though it's almost it would be quite good for someone to instead of just kind of off their own you know their, of their own accord going off and buying a gene test like you said you know it, I think it takes a certain type of person you know because some people would not respond very well let's say they had cancer in the family and then they find out that they've kind of got signs that they could, you know, that their chances of getting it are increased or higher than most. Yeah. You know, depending on the individual's kind of like personality, the type of person they are, you know, it, I mean, it could be detrimental to somebody, couldn't it? You know, it could well, just... If you, if you a, look at like blogs that have been written about this, what we're going to talk about today is methylation. And this is where a lot of the focus is with nutrigenomics because methylation is kind of a process in the body which regulates a number of functions including detoxification uh, neurotransmitter outputs such as brain chemicals so it's uh, and regulates inflammation so it's strongly associated with lowering your risk of a chronic disease um and basically kind of uh, all things like depression and, and mental health and things so it's kind of very hugely important that this functions optimally and this is where the focus is uh, for the kind of nutritional therapy world. But people that are blogging about it have gone off, done 23andMe, and seen that they've got kind of SNPs that inhibit the methylation process. And they've e- instantly started writing in the tone of, oh, my God, we're doomed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even more extreme than that, because like, MTHFR kind of lends itself to a, a phrase that would say you're... you're Mother, mother mother bleeped <laughs> yeah basically and it's funny some of the blogs are funny but it has kind of 
you know, just kind of spiraled off into this direction that's not really helping people. And again, when you learn about it, when I first learned about MTHFR mutations, I kind of thought you had it and you didn't. And um, we got some tests on and you had it and I didn't. And I was like, you're doomed. You know, like your dad died of cancer. This is it. Like you're, you know, and I didn't even realize there were about uh, eight or nine different MTHFR SNPs. So actually I've got some as well. Now I've looked into it. We've both got some. Most people have SNPs. Everyone has SNPs, but lots of us have got some sort of SNP in this methylation cycle process. So the methylation cycle in a bit of a nutshell. Are you ready? In a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, what we're going to talk about today is an incredibly complex biochemical process in the body called right. methylation. But we're going to simplify it to try and explain to people why nutrition is totally awesome. If you didn't know already. Yeah, just in case. And how you would support yourself. And so you may not even need to go and do these 23andMe if you kind of understand what the out- outcome of them needs to be. And if I'm honest, kind of first would go in at something like a gut test, a stool test or an organic acids test, because they're telling me what is your current nutrient status. Mm-hmm. It's no good me looking at why processes are breaking down if I don't even know if you can absorb nutrients would it, in the gut. But would would any form of test really be your first point of call with a brand new client or would it initially be purely making some simple nutritional changes always always the the nutritional changes unless they come to me they've been following fit food for a while their nutrition is looking brilliant and they're not experiencing the benefit i would expect expect and i also will start going how often do you sleep what's your stress levels like are you just depleting all the brilliant food you're eating by just being a major stress head which is very common as well because people don't understand how much stress depletes their b vitamins and so so essentially methylation is your jobs i call it jobs you call it jobs yeah (laughs) do you remember we went to see that comedian and he was talking about how we're all obsessed with jobs all we do all day long is jobs in our life. And then we go to bed and we go, have I done my jobs today? What, what jobs what, didn't I do? What jobs should I need to do tomorrow? And then, oh, no, I didn't do that job. Yeah. And then we plan should I do that job now? I don't know. I'll do it tomorrow. Plan jobs for tomorrow. We fall asleep and then we wake up and go, all right, what jobs have we got to do? <laughs> and that is kind of what methylation is. Just jobs in the in the body. Jobs. And doing the jobs. <laughs> jobs, yeah. So as I just mentioned, it's kind of essential. It's basically taking some of the nutrients that you got from your food and it's converting them constantly. So methylation is basically chemical reactions that convert nutrients. So we can do jobs. <laughs> and the jobs are uh, basically kind of create substances the body needs uh, to produce DNA and to produce proteins, to go off and do various different things. To, um, you know, so that's one of the things uh, to lower inflammation, to support detoxification. So get rid of all the byproducts of, of chemical reactions, all the chemicals that enter your body um, produce neurotransmitters. So that's things like um, serotonin, which makes you feel good. Dopamine, which is your get up and go adrenaline, which is what makes you able to perform in the gym. Um, and, yeah. and then kind of get rid of that waste, any waste products as well. So not only do the way that we get rid of waste products is we kind of bag them all up just like you would bag up your rubbish but then obviously you've got to take it out of out of the house haven't you so Mm -hmm. it's a two-stage process and methylation is just all the conversions that are taking place in that process and it it works by five um that's why i love this course because they kind of broke it down it's like five little cogs turning five little wheels and they all run on from one another so if the first one breaks down maybe because there wasn't enough nutrients or cofactors in there then the second one can't work as well. And then the third one doesn't work, it changes it. Um, and then the fourth one doesn't work as well, or the fifth one. But then just generally, because you've got SNPs, there'll be kind of um, little kind of, uh, think of a word like, um, clin- not clinches, I was going to say, in, in terms of what's stopping the cog from turning, what would you say? Rust. <laughs> yeah. No, like things that stop it turning as effectively. What would stop it turning effectively? I have no idea. Okay. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> so anyway, um, so your SNPs are basically, okay, so say you were trying to look to do a job, um, like hoover the flat, but the hoover bag was full. And so you're kind of spitting stuff back. That can kind of be how a SNP is working. You're not doing that job as effectively. The job's still happening but not as effectively as it could. Yeah. So if you enlisted, say like a, a dustpan and brush to come in and support it, then it's just, it works a little bit better. So that's how you would use food and supplements to kind of make that process happen a little bit more better. efficient. Yeah. So we still do these functions, even if we've got the SNPs, but maybe not as well. And it means that you have to be careful about 
how much toxins you're how many toxins you're exposed to how much pro-inflammatory things you do with your lifestyle because you're not very good at regulating inflammation right and it kind of answers the question as to maybe why you're a bit more screwed with your health than your mates who sit there eating haribo all day long at their desk drinking 20 pints of beer and then still come back to work and go i'm totally fine you know it will catch up with them i do promise you that but you know some people kind of go i eat so well and i still don't experience the benefit my mood's not good i don't lose weight and i don't have the energy why and everyone lots of people's friends ridicule them because they go you eat so healthily and you just feel like rubbish all the time do you know what though like uh on the flip side of that, based on what you just said about, you know, people being able to get away with eating, you know, whatever they want, maybe drinking, et cetera, et cetera. And like you said, it catches up with a prime example. Uh, is I told you, didn't I? I was on the train the other day coming back from town and I saw someone who I actually used to go to school with, like obviously a long time ago now, like secondary school. And at school, this kid was, you know, super, super fit, you know, school football team, great football player, um, <clears throat> but in phenomenal shape as well. Like even as a team, you know, absolutely ripped midsection, really kind of like defined arms, like super, super lean. But, you know, every day it was like, it was sweets. It was fizzy drinks. It was like chicken and chip shop after school and on the lunch breaks, like not a good diet at all. But, you know, we were kids running around like nutters all the time, you know, absolutely shredded this kid was. And I saw him on the train, just like I recognised him straight away. All that definition on his arms had gone. He had a bit, a bit of a, a gut, well, quite a big gut on him, to be perfectly honest with you. And I couldn't believe it. I just thought, gosh, at school, you were like literally like, you know, just like was like an Adonis, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like ripped and, you know, incredibly lean, incredibly fit and, you know, it just shows you like, you know, you, you can get away with it if you've got the kind of like the genes to do so Yeah. for a while. Yeah. And this is kind of what we we mentioned, I think, over in the last podcast where we were saying like people, some people are definitely more uh, genetically gifted than others in terms of physique and what they, you know, there's even on your 23andMe, there's a lot of stuff being looked at fat metabolism and mm-hmm. have you got that predisposition to gain weight and have carb sensitivity and um fat you know sensitivity to saturated fats and we talked about this a lot and we answer a lot of questions in our membership group because some people say i've got some results back and i'm carb sensitive Mm. and they just drop carbs and we kind of have to explain actually um it's just not as simple as that like a lot of this stuff is regulated by your environment and your lifestyle so we said before it's kind of genotype and phenotype and that's got to get that balance right so just moving on the, the 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 little cogs that exist um the first one is, that's really important is is known as the folate cycle so you've got these five cycles that are a little bit like the olympic rings five yeah the first one is the folate cycle and this kind of kickstarts all the other all the other jobs that have to that are going to take place and the folate cycle is really important um most women will be aware of of the nutrient folic acid because you're told to take it if you're looking to conceive or during pregnancy Right. And that's because a deficiency is associated with neural tube defects. What's been noted, though, is actually that maybe if you take folic acid, there is kind of um, a, a lots. There's kind of a several step process that takes place before you get an end product, which is 5-methyltetrahydrofolate. And that is the nutrient that then feeds into the next cycle. So, you know, I said it kind of it's going from one thing to the other. So the first one is is like kind of nutrients coming in. And the real important guy here is the 5-MTHFR. So that's the that's the kind of nutrient that we need, the end product. So if you've got SNPs in those stages, it means that you're not very good at converting folic acid into folate. And just generally you're not going to have as much as that of that methyl tetrahydrofolate to go into the next cycle. Right. So it's generally advised women don't take folic acid as a supplement, but they look for something called folate or sorry, methyl folate, which is a more bioavailable form of folic, right. uh, well, of folate. Or they get it from their diet, which is the main source would be dark green leafy vegetables. Um, and I think it's also in some whole grains as well. Um, <clears throat> but generally women are advised to supplement during that time. So you'd be better to look for methyl folate or just a kind of food state B complex that's got enough uh, folate in it. And it will right. say on it, it'll be labeled not folic acid. Um, so ideally, you don't want to be taking folic acid just in case you've got SNPs here. And the nutrients that are necessary as well for those conversions is B2, B3, B6, and zinc. So taking a B-complex would sort of have you covered for that phase. Uh, The other important thing to note is if you've got gut issues, like 
any kind of bacterial overgrowth or you've got some inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's colitis or celiacs, you have impaired absorption of those nutrients as well. So it's always worthwhile keeping that in mind and how, you know, a supplement might be helpful Mm -hmm. or or maybe even sublingual uh, supplements as well. Then the next cycle that that feeds onto is the methionine cycle. Uh, And again, one of the main things that this cycle is doing is producing something called SAM-E. And this is kind of like a product that's involved in so many different biochemical processes. It goes off to kind of DNA synthesis, protein, lipid synthesis, loads of different stuff. So it's kind of producing... I was trying to think of a, a really an, a, an analogy and I can't, I can't really think of one. Maybe like salt in recipes, just so essential to everything. <laughs> salt and garlic. Yeah, salt and garlic. It's the make or break of all uh, jobs that, that are going to take place, all recipes. Totally flipping between different analogies here. But um, one of the first things we start off this cycle, I like to think of this one as like the countdown clock. Mm-hmm. It's the easy way to explain it. So at the very top of the countdown clock, we've got methionine, which is a protein amino acid that we get from things like eggs, um, poultry and uh, whey for example like bodybuilders are always big on the thionine yes and then it, this goes through a, loads of different stages kind of think of it as going round the clock and uh, it gets converted into sammy which is what we just mentioned is kind of the, the dude that goes off and and does and supports loads of functions in the body and for that to happen we need magnesium mm-hmm. so can you think of a give me a food source of magnesium avocados brilliant anymore well, maybe a bit of dark chocolate. My favourite. But generally, most people are a bit low in magnesium because of just a lot of lifestyle habits deplete it. Can you think of an obvious one? Overtraining? Yeah, just training generally. And we train yeah. a lot more than we used to, um, as in like generations ago. So all this kind of intense training in the gym mm-hmm. is going to um, deplete magnesium, stress. Um, so most people benefit from from taking a bit of magnesium to just help with that process um once we've got uh sammy then we go down uh around the clock to six o'clock and we get something called homocysteine this is kind of like a an, like a, an intermediary um product that's actually been linked high levels of this are associated with inflammation so it's really important that we recycle homocysteine mm-hmm. back into methionine so think of that little clock and to do this we need guess what we need five methyl tetrahydrofolate so that's how the cycle works. And that kind of appears at about nine o'clock. And then also zinc and B12. Uh, B12 is also um, generally quite low in people with dysbiosis because it's produced by gut bacteria. And add those in and we go all the way back to methionine. And that's really important. If we get high homocysteine, we know there's an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and other inflammatory diseases in the body. So it's important that that, that ticks around nicely. So give me some sources of B12. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should probably explain that. <laughs> well, basically, a friend of ours, uh, Caroline, um, uh, is uh, an old friend of ours, used to come to our Fit London classes and used to help out with fit of food and stuff as well. has got a little boy called Bobby. He's an absolute cutie. And she, she posted up a video the other day on Facebook and asked. she asked him, uh, what, do you, what do you like for breakfast? He said, eggs. She <laughs> <laughs> said, what else? Banan? <laughs> banana. <laughs> Because what else? X. <laughs> he likes eggs, that boy. He, like, he likes his BBs. I'm totally with him on that. Um, yeah, so B12 is why food, like uh, generally kind of animal products, you get B12 from animal products. Eggs would be a good one if you're vegetarian, dairy as well. Um, and if you have a, again, you've got snips going on here, it's kind of, um, you might need to supplement, supplement with again a methylated b12 to support this cycle so one cool thing about the body though is it always fights for balance and to to do its jobs it argues to do its jobs so if you had uh maybe not enough folate or b12 or zinc is also really important here um so you couldn't do that kind of full circle the body will take a shortcut and it'll go from six o'clock up to 12 o'clock it'll miss out that whole second half Right. It's called the shortcut. And uh, three foods, sorry, three nutrients that will help this this it take it take the body to go this alternative route uh, are basically choline, which is in. Do you know what choline's in? So choline is really important. Eggs. Yep. <laughs> Eggs. <laughs> uh, and also organ meats. Uh, betaine, which is in. Beetroot. Yeah, perfect. And zinc. Eggs. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> beetroot which is amazing probably why beetroot is just so cool for a number of things but for cardiovascular health and and lowering inflammation and zinc give me some food source of zinc good old red meat yeah um 
when I was training, there was always pumpkin seeds. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, who eats them? You're not have a steak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and seafood's really high in zinc as well. And uh, yeah, so that's the methionine cycle. So that's got to produce SAMI and basically kind of keep recycling, ticking along. And that then feeds into another cycle, the next one, which is uh, transulfuration pathway. So we've got another cycle coming up. And this is basically kind of bagging up rubbish ready to take it out of the body. And this is the one that as a woman... So when you say this is another cycle, is this another one of those cogs? It's a bit or... difficult. It's, it's more of a... It's not necessarily a cog. It's more like three prongs. But let's think of it like a cog. It's easier. It so the, a, the, it can five, be a the cog. five cogs you mentioned were kind of... Were, 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 no, 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 no. They are cogs. Look, I'm just showing you, you the you, cycles. What, you, what, yeah, so what but I'm this saying. one doesn't go in a circle, no. This one goes down. But the, meth- uh, the methylation cycle, has got, are you saying that's got five cogs within it? Yeah, so now we're on to the third one, transulfuration. They're not really cogs. It's just that they kind of all feed into each Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Like yeah. the Olympic rings more, they link. Right. Yeah, So, and when something goes wrong in one, it affects all of the four. As a knock-on effect. Yeah, right. but I often just thought of methylation as the methionine cycle, which I just explained. I thought that, that was it. So yeah. that's why this course is very cool. And I'm only touching on the surface of the stuff that they taught us about what inhibits and what speeds up because that's really important if you speed up a pathway so some people out there are going oh i've got a snip i'm going to take um methylated b vitamins you can speed up the process too much and then if you've also removed inhibitors like major inhibitors are caffeine uh, uh, uh kind of byproducts of, of um, cigarettes and alcohol and stress as well it also can deplete nutrients if you kind of get all those in check and remove them and then stick in loads of B vitamins and zinc, you can speed up the cogs and then you kind of feel worse. They can, what was slowing it down out as well. So you almost upregulate everything too quickly. Right. So don't just dive in there, kind of do the reports and go, I just need to take B vitamins, kind of work with someone who is, is understand, understands why, uh, what your needs might be and, and how you could go in, they call it low and slow. So right. low amounts very slowly and, and you know, ideally. And, and, and build it up. Yeah. Food first, but some people are probably going to need supplements to support. Yeah. So transulfuration is next. That's kind of like bagging up your rubbish and getting rid of it. Um, So it's kind of detoxification, which is a very, like, really interesting phase. All women love detoxification because we're always doing detoxes. We're always concerned about toxin exposure, except at the weekends when we put on loads of makeup and drink loads of alcohol and go out and like grow selective in our... And retoxify. Yeah, basically. So. I hate the word detox. Yeah, but... Well, I don't hate the word detox. You hate detoxes. I hate detoxes. Like, yeah. I just think it's such a... No tea is going to detox you, I'll tell you that now. ploy, and it's just like your, your body is freaking detoxing all the damn time. Well, you just think like we've already gone through those processes and we've talked about all the different foods that you need for those processes and that's pre-getting to the detox phase. So that's going to feed into this. So it's important that you've got really good B vitamin status, mm-hmm. um, you know, and all of those cycles are working really effectively. And protein is such a massive part and it's it, protein is missing from almost all detoxes. It's well, if you look juice at all, fasting, yeah, TD, ju- tea detoxes. Exactly, juices, teas. It's like, where's the protein at, please? Yeah, it just... Because the main thing I was going to say, when we get into the methionine cycle, you've got homocysteine, do you remember, that was the kind of uh, pro-inflammatory of too high. Uh, that uh, noise it makes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm the big bad homocysteine. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> um, and that gets recycled into cystothionine. So there's a little conversion that goes on here. And then from there, the route that we kind of want it to take is down to something called glutathione, which is the body's master antioxidant. And you can take glutathione as a supplement that's what you took and thought tasted rancid but again when i first learned about it i was like i'm going to take liposomal glutathione because i live in london one of the most polluted areas of the uk um we're we're central london really kind of toxic and you know i just started kind of taking this stuff and and it won't have done me any harm but it's a really expensive supplement to take Um, and you can this is this is my kind this is where i'm a a bit of a skeptic you know what i mean because well, you could test, you could do an organic acids and see what your glutathione levels were like as well. I, I know, but for some people, it is it's just just not an option, really. No. So, how, do you know how you would do another way you would increase your glutathione levels? There's loads of ways you can do it actually with kind of lifestyle habits. Uh, but a good way is um, to use the amino acids, take the amino acids in your nutrition uh, that make up glutathione. So right. that is cysteine, which is in Egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, next. Glycine, which is in organ meats and bone broth, and third one, glutamine. And glutamine's like 
just abundant it's it's in things like chicken and eggs and all sorts of you know kind of just and to be fair glutamine is a it's a cheap amino as, acid to take as a, as a supplement it's very cheap isn't it yeah yeah there were there was some concern over taking you've got to be careful with some people it makes them very anxious because it kind of has a conversion to glutamate which is a bit of a excitatory neurotransmitter so if you take it and feel like crap stop taking it right <laughs> but if you take it and feel all right that's fine uh, but if you look here <laughs> again so uh what is essential for these to take place uh we need b6 and uh basically b6 is kind of one of your major cofactors in in these conversions to make sure that we get down to glutathione obviously having those kind of precursor nutrients is important as well um one thing to note is that there was a lot of talk about sulfate sensitivity, sulfite sensitivity, uh, which is, again, kind of part of this cycle. And this is something that I've seen a lot in clients. I think I've had some issues with it in the past as well. Um, and sulfite sensitivity, you tend to recognize because um, you react to things like dried fruits. It's that sulfite's preservative yeah. and it's it's added to alcohol. That's when most people will, will notice that they get really, really bad, um, like one glass of wine and they feel terrible. And it can actually be, it's not the alcohol, not if you drink it slowly with food and it's not a huge amount. It can be the sulfites in the alcohol. Um, and we've often tried to get kind of sulfite-free or lower sulfite wine, haven't we? And said, like biodynamic, you feel better for it. You don't necessarily get that same kind of brain fog reaction. Ben Lynch, who's kind of the master behind all of this kind of nutrigenomics and methylation, his little tip was to take drops of uh, molybdenum, which is a micronutrient, um, which is probably in, in most people's multivitamin. And that helps with uh, basically kind of breaking down sulfites, especially if you've got a snip that is stopping you from breaking down sulfites, which is possible as well. Mm-hmm. And guess mm-hmm. where you get molybdenum from a food source? Black pepper. No way. Which I didn't know either. No. So well. you, could, you could put black pepper in your wine. The wine adds that to most meals. <laughs> yeah. Something good. Put it in the wine and then it won't give you a problem. To be fair, you probably like mulled wine might have a bit of pepper in maybe. <laughs> Do we add black pepper in? Why not? I just, I don't it's, it does. Got it's got spices. spices. Anyway. Well, isn't, isn't pepper classed as a spice? I'm sure. You, I'm sure soon there'll be pepper capsules coming out anyway, Probably. so we won't need to worry about we it. Capsulate anything now, they're just gonna <laughs> even poo. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they do. So we're taking that soon. <laughs> I'm not even joking, people. <laughs> this is a thing. That's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and another thing that increases uh, glutathione production is uh, turmeric. So turmeric's getting really... Turmeric is probably the sexiest supplement at the moment, isn't it? It's, it's getting a lot of... It is. It's got, getting a lot of attention. I'm a bit confused. I'm, this might be one for Tommy, really, because I've read that food source turmeric isn't that effective. I think it will be effective in terms of general, as much as some rosemary and oregano is. What do you mean food source? As in putting some turmeric powder in your curry. Right. Because the source that people are using in um, the, the the form that people are using in supplements in these studies is either liposomal or Mariva form turmeric, which is absolutely extortionate. <laughs> so, and they're the ones that are coming out with the studies because they're saying it's absorbed better and therefore has, is more effective. I, I haven't seen much on uh, when I was trained at college. They said turmeric root was more effective, so that was that looks like ginger, and you grate it. Great, that is. We've got organic turmeric powder. It can't hurt, so we put it in everything, don't we? But I'm not yeah. sure how effective it is for kind of boosting up in terms of therapeutic. So, but I still like it. I don't use it in food. Yeah. But just in case you're sat there saying you hate turmeric and you think you're missing out on something, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So next one, which is exciting for me, the, the next one is a urea cycle, which is kind of just waste. And I'm not going to go into too much detail on that one because um, it's not that exciting, really. You just That's just you kind of getting rid of waste products um, and nutrients that we would need. Uh, let me just, I'm going to slide in and have a quick look is again, you kind of, um, okay, so the reason this is, this is quite important, sorry, is that for this to work, you have to have effective folate cycle and transsulfuration cycle and the cycle we haven't talked about yet, which is the neurotransmitter cycle. So you need these to be, because this is basically kind of excreting ammonia uh, and producing nitric oxide in the cycle, which ammonia is just kind of like a, a waste product that if you get high amounts, we get really bad brain fog and, and people right. feel really rough with that. So you've got to be able to, it's just like we were saying, once you've bagged up the rubbish, you don't want to just leave it in the kitchen, do you? It's going to make the kitchen stink and be quite damaging. I suppose it's like the, uh, an analogy here might be that you're kind of putting rubbish into a bin bag that's got a hole in it 
Yeah. So then when you're taking it out, it's just dragging, it's dropping kind of, everywhere. You're kind of like still dropping rubbish back on the floor. Yeah. So it's still doing the job, but it's still leaving some behind. Yeah, it's getting recycled back in. See that? That's yeah. how you do analogies, love. <laughs> Take note. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Manganese is very important for that. But the one that I want to do a bit more on, so the, the kind of FIMA one is um, actually called the, it's the, I would call it the neurotransmitter cycle. That's going to make more sense to people. But in the on the course, it's called the BH4 cycle. Because in this cycle uh, is where we basically produce neurotransmitters. So that is things like serotonin, feel good brain chemical. Mm -hmm. And serotonin is then converted into melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. So it's really important that we have good conversions going on there, isn't it? That's where you don't sleep. And then on another side of this is that we have something called um, tyrosine, which is kind of like your amino acid precursor being converted into dopamine. And that's your kind of get up and go. If we have low dopamine, we're always seeking a high. We're always like, I need coffee, I need chocolate, I need to gamble, I need to go and shop. That's that's low dopamine people. Oh. Listeners might be going, that's me. Hmm. Uh, and then we need to be able to convert dopamine into adrenaline so that we can train and basically go to the gym and, and do awesome stuff like you love doing. And do the stuff. Yeah. So we need to be able to make sure we can do those conversions um, and then ultimately, uh, you know, kind of do them effectively over and over again and then excrete the hormones. And this is where the nutrigenomic side of things is quite sexy um, because we can look at things like depression, sleep disorders, um, and, and kind of people who are making the changes and still feeling like they just, you know, don't want don't to do anything, as in like almost like low mood, low, you know, depression type thing. Um, this is where I think it gets really, really interesting, for me anyway, and, and in terms of client bases. And so how can we support that? So with depression, one thing I would say is there is so much stuff. So the, firstly, I suppose the important thing to say is to go from the, the precursor nutrients, so tryptophan, which is an amino acid again, and that we find in, can you think of some tryptophan-rich foods? A bit harder. I always crave them. Oh, turkey. Yeah. Chicken. To be fair, that's what you bloody go on about. <laughs> no one might come burgers tonight. No, let's have some turkey. <laughs> Sweet potato. Mm. Carbs generally uh, are good for kind of uh, tryptophan as well. But like in carbs. terms of the conversion process, uh, bananas is another one. I always like bananas. You'll notice there's a theme in Fit Food Recipes, loads and loads of tryptophan and, and carbs, but if I'm making them anyway. Uh, and it's interesting because I've obviously had my results done and I'm not very good at some of these conversions. So actually I think... Uh, and I asked a question. There were some studies out there saying tryptophan helps. Uh, isn't that helpful, tryptophan supplementation? Because you can supplement with amino acids for mood health. So if you're struggling with sleep, you could take 5-HTP at night, which would help you relax, help the brain switch off, and and ultimately helps with sleep. And there are some studies that say that's brilliant. And then there are some studies saying it's not, and tryptophan foods don't really do anything. And it's possible it's because it's the SNPs that are affecting the outcome of the studies. Okay. Makes sense? Right, right, okay. So tryptophan foods might do something, nothing for some people <clears throat> because guess what is needed for the conversion process? X. No. <laughs> 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate again. So we go all the way back to if you, you haven't got that process in, you know, sorted, then it's going to affect your mood. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, it was to me anyway. Um, So the folate cycle is affecting here, as is vitamin D is really important, especially for conversion of tyrosine to dopamine. So that's kind of your ability to, again, have that kind of get up and go. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because my mom, as a kid, always said to me, in fact, it was kind of a clause of her marriage to my dad. We have to have a holiday in February. I need some sun. She's always said that. And um, our results came back and we had SNPs on our, our vitamin D receptors. So my mum will have them. I had them. So it's, chances are. And she's always said, I feel better in the sun. So there you go. And it's because it probably helps her to make that conversion of tyrosine into dopamine. And then she feels like doing more, more motivated. Um, and then she probably, and she does yeah, exercise a bit more on holiday actually as well. She does a, a little gym routines on the on the beach so um just just really interesting that you can see that but also to convert in terms of other nutrients that we need to convert serotonin into melatonin so this is your feel-good brain chemical into your sleep hormone we need sam e remember where that came in that was in the uh, methylation cycle wasn't it nearly this is all methylation it was in the did begin with m did it yeah i'm impressed you are on the right lines am i methionine cycle methionine that's actually what i'm in yeah <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and some people try and take Sammy, but again, it's it's suggested that might be too harsh an intervention and you'd be better going back and supporting an original folate and methionine cycles. Make sense? It does. It does. So essentially what we're looking at here is ensuring that our body, ha- body has sufficient supply. Yeah. You know, vitamins etc yeah and then is able to process them as efficiently as possible to kind of refresh cycle to kind of go around onto the next cycle to next cycle to next cycle yeah so in a way it's kind of like chinese whispers it is yeah completely and if it gets changed it changes the next cycle it changes the taking notes love there's another energy i'm on fire fire tonight it's called the chinese whisper cycle But I suppose, you know, in that sense that, you know, if someone talks a little bit quieter than somebody else and then it's just not as clear to the next person and then yeah. it just yeah, gets yeah, less. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Kind and of just changes a little bit as, yeah. it, as you go. The, I was going to say that, well done. A few more things that would uh, just be worthy of a mention here is when we've got dopamine, so we've got our kind of motivation and we want to convert that into noradrenaline and then adrenaline. Another thing that we need for both those conversions is guess what? so if your methionine cycle wasn't working you don't have any kind of i want to go to the gym and train and i can't sleep so it really does mess with your mood health so it could be that um you need to kind of fix that first and lastly a few things that are other cofactors copper and vitamin c were really essential for dopamine conversion into uh noradrenaline as well Mm -hmm. Um, interestingly, zinc and magnesium were actually uh, pretty much mentioned in almost as a cofactor in most of these conversions for them to take place. Right. So for you to be able to detoxify, lower inflammation, reduce these brain chemicals, we need zinc and magnesium in, in healthy amounts and zinc and copper compete. Um, so if there's kind of high amounts of copper in your water supply, which is really common, or women are on the copper coil, it might be depleting zinc, but then zinc is also depleted by stress um again kind of celiacs are going to have probably low zinc because they've got poor absorption and grains can potentially inhibit the absorption phytates of of zinc so it's always worth kind of someone asked me about do you think we should just take zinc and it's hard because you should really get a a kind of a a blood test done and look at copper zinc status which you can get done ideally Uh, but if you can't if you're kind of eating liver that's very rich in copper eating seafood that's rich in zinc but you might just want to take 15 to 20 milligrams of zinc before bed on you know, away from food and that would keep zinc status healthy and it's a relatively cheap supplement and they should be chelated so um magnesium citrate malate glycinate or zinc picolinate citrate for maximum absorption i mean because the thing is here i mean i don't know about you but i kind of feel these days you know we we place you know all not say we place but we are responsible for for a chunk of the stress that 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 we do place on ourselves but i just feel like where there's so many stresses around us now much more so than there used to be like i feel that you know the kind of like work-life balance is <clears throat> is much more off kilter now than it probably was 50 years ago you know to where it was like go off to work do you know until five or whatever it may be come home and that was it there was no there was no internet there was no social media there was no email there was you know what i mean it was you yeah. go home you, you had your dinner you read the paper you know, or something like that, yeah, you know, yeah. it was, you know, and same with exercise, you know, exercise has kind of come on leaps and bounds since then. And nowadays, you know, many people place their bodies under huge amounts of stress when they're at the gym and don't get me wrong, I'm all for training. I love training. I'm all for pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, et cetera, et cetera. But whatever we do on a daily basis, you, you need to back it up. It's as simple as that. You know, if you're pushing yourself harder in the gym, back it up with sound nutrition, supplementation and ample sleep. You know, if you're working long hours at work and you're you're quite stressed meeting a deadline, back yourself up, as Keris mentioned, you know, depleting all those kind of vitamins, magnesium, etc. because uh, of the elevated stress, just back yourself up a little bit. And the problem is nowadays, most people don't. Well, it, didn't, it occurred to me when I was learning all this, I was just thinking of like your person who is working really long hours, perhaps in a, you know, in a city job or whatever, and kind of goes to work on a, um, a cappuccino and a croissant, smokes outside the office, you know, possibly in a, cent- in a central London location, goes out for, has a kind of quick wrap, chicken wrap, whatever, for lunch with, you know, from Pret, which has hardly got that much kind of nutrition in it, and ends their day kind of with client drinks and, and things. And, and that's not unheard of. That's most people kind of living in London. Most of our client base initially were, were kind of like that. Just a huge amount. And then they would kind of go to the gym and do 
very intense exercise on top of that and not Mm -hmm. sleep very well and then you can also kind of transfer it to if I look at kind of a lot of female clients I have that doing a lot of you know busy mums um maybe you know with kids as well that are kind of running around after everyone else making sure everyone else is looked after and kind of grabbing a quick snack bar for lunch um do you see what I mean like they're just so undernourished and under supported in terms of all of these functions and then they wonder why their hormones are completely uh derailed and they wonder why they can't remember anything because memory is a big factor in in most of this especially in the kind of um, neurotransmitter cycle at the end memory is is a huge part of that you know never go outside so some people go to work in the dark and and you know especially now it's coming to winter come home in the dark don't take any lunch break you know i know these people maybe love their careers and work really hard but then wonder why they suddenly kind of crash and it's like they have no you know such low vitamin d levels and then yeah. they're immune compromised so well, it's like you said before you know like our bodies kind of store vitamin d so if in even when the sun is out and the days the you know the, the daylight hours are long and we're not getting out there and exposing our skin come winter time when we're seeing even less daylight. And, you know, like we used to do this you know, as PTs, we used to work in a basement gym, you know, first client of the day is at half six, you know, you get in, you go into the gym, it's dark, you know, your last client's at 7pm, you know, you finish at eight, you come out, it's dark, Yeah. you know, and if you haven't had many breaks in between, you don't see daylight. You know, and it's, uh, you know, it, you feel the difference for sure. 100% we certainly did, didn't we? Yeah, no, no, definitely. And it, we've made a big difference kind of being outside more, obviously getting home, which makes a big difference. But and I definitely feel, and it's funny because I often, the last bit I was just going to talk about, when it's pretty much done, is when I got my results back, I'd always questioned, and I did talk about this at our Fit Food Academy last year, I always kind of questioned if I had depression or I talked about happiness deficiency because I never had depression where people go, oh, it's like a cloud, it comes and I can't get out of bed. I never had that, but I went to university, I got really homesick, I got really low and I've kind of pinpointed it to a number of reasons. My nutrition was rubbish, all sorts of things. But I always felt like I was never kind of a very, you have some people who are just always happy, positive people and, you know, kind of, you're like that, you're a real optimist. I can't ever imagine you. I know certain things get to you in life, but generally you're you're a really real Only optimist. Only when I've run out of bacon. Yeah, and coffee. Nothing worse when you think you've got some rashes of bacon in the fridge <laughs> and there's none. Well, you press the coffee machine and the red light Wounded. comes on. <laughs> yeah. But because I then started eating better and running throughout my life, I've always kind of buffered it in a way. So I always knew how to make myself feel better very naturally. Mm. So I would never go, oh, I'm, a, I'm a kind of depressed person, low mood person. But then the way that I developed addictions to, I'd say definitely running and exercise, then potentially nutrition in a way, like eating healthy, I got very kind of um, obsessed with that and protective of that. Um, when I got my results back, I have a, a comp snip which uh, and another snip and another gene that means I don't break down um, uh, some of the the neurotransmitters. So basically, you can I can have high amounts of dopamine, which means I don't deal with stress very well. I can be prone to mood swings and kind of uh, I like to I put a, a, a Facebook. You can't, you can't see this, but I'm nodding my head. Yeah, basically, I put a Facebook no. status mm-hmm. up saying you know uh, makes people with high dopamine often like to focus but become very obsessed and kind of OCD behavior. Uh, but then also things like irritability, aggressive behavior sometimes, because I'm not breaking down high amounts of stress hormones. So the more we come in, the more I'll flip out. And you will say sometimes, you know, it's really strange how I'll cope with huge amounts of, of work and then suddenly just lose it. And you're like, what? And it's almost like you get to the end of your tether. Um, but again, I think if I didn't eat like I eat, I would be in bigger trouble by now, like much bigger trouble. And I think I'm lucky that I came across this at an early age, like 19 was when I first was like, I think I need to eat better. I just feel like crap yeah. and I don't. Um, and yeah, and so for me, and when mine came back with a comp snip, it was just my personality written all over it, wasn't it? And you were kind of That's like, the thing, like we spoke about this before, haven't we, with all this kind of testing and whatnot. A lot of the times it tells you things you already were aware of but never kind of kind of, kind of put two and two together. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, like when, when same as when we done like DNA fit and yeah. you looked at it and you were like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, like, yeah, that makes sense because of X, Y, and Z. And, but like I say, it's like, you don't, you're not really aware. You, you, you can make the link, but you can't put the two together in terms of why you might have felt that way. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. So I think the testing is great in, in that sense. And also as well, you know, I'm, as you know, you probably get the gist of this from these podcasts. I often play devil's advocate 
you know, I can be a bit of a skeptic, can't I? Yeah, but I um, think it's a good thing. Because, oh no, of course it's a good thing. You know, of course it's a good thing. It's easy to get carried away. Like, uh, was, in my what, position, it's easy to get carried what, away. What I was going to say was, is like I've seen the amazing results that you've got with your clients who, you know, let's be honest, you know, uh, as well as, you know, let's be, you know, most people have uh, some kind of a, a fat loss goal in there somewhere, some kind of aesthetics goal. But, you know, we need to get people to look at the bigger picture, i.e., you know, like when you're working with clients who have got gout or psoriasis, you know, like things like that. And and it's these kind of people that have done the tests and or, you know, organic acids tests, whatever, the test may be and then it's there in black and white for them to see so just gonna say quickly if you when we were talking about genes and kind of phenotype the the organic acids test would be a snapshot of where you are now so it measures neurotransmitter breakdown in the urine so if you were kind of suspecting it but then ran the organic acid so when i ran mine i had uh, low serotonin, low conversion of dopamine to adrenaline i had no vitamin c which is essential for that so i was starting to get a picture of like okay so I need some vitamin C. I need, um, I had my glutathione status was on the floor. So I could do like N-acetylcysteine as a supplement. And, and I, I, I got to understand where I needed to go. But so much of mine was because I was working as a personal trainer, ridiculous hours, teaching loads of mm-hmm. classes. So I was driving down all those nutrients and causing more problems. And if I'd known more then or had the ability to kind of step out of my role, then I could have done a lot just naturally, just fixing yeah. myself. Um, but also... One more argument for these kind of tests, actually, uh, I get a lot of women coming to me with hormonal problems like painful uh, menstrual cycles, um, cysts, thyroid hormone, uh, so like hypothyroidism. And a lot of these can be related to SNPs. And it's not the SNPs that are the problem. It's the fact that they've added in probably hormone therapies like the contraceptive pill, HRT after the menopause, or possibly some medications like thyroid medications. And uh, if they've got SNPs, there is a doctor in America, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, who's wrote The Hormone Cure, which is a fantastic book. I tell all my clients to read it. And she's saying that every woman should have this done before being recommended to have the contraceptive pill or the HRT and almost carry it around like a little card. And eventually maybe we'll have it for medications as well, mm-hmm. because it does affect how we break down medications. And that's quite important as to in terms of are they going to increase your risk of disease yes, or no. help? It's funny, yeah, that, that never would have occurred to me, actually. And that is something, but that needs to come from the health service, you know, because yeah, it's course got it to be, you can't have this done and then take it to your doctor and they go, well, that's just witchery, like, you know, which yeah. is what I've had yeah, yeah. with stool tests. Of course. So she's arguing for that point because what is happening is if people have a comp snip, that affects how they break down estrogen. And if they can't break down the estrogen and they add more estrogen in, this is just like you talking about kind of the, they can't take the trash out because the bag's all ripped. And then there's more trash being added in. It just creates a nightmare. Right. And if you have gut problems like dysbiosis, then we cycle all that estrogen, they recycle all that trash back into the body, and then we get cancer and all sorts of problems. Mm. So there is that kind of argument for this test. But again, I'd have, if you cleaned up your nutrition and everything else first... Yeah, you know, I, th- that's, I think that's the... the two, or it all goes together. Because this is awesome, because it's always good to know the whys behind, behind it, it all, yeah, you know, yeah. what it is exactly... But I think, you know, I think people can get carried away. Let's be honest. Like we people, you know, we, we, we've got some clients who love a test. Ooh, what test can I do next? You know, I've done this, I've done that. Let's do something else. Like, but but some people like that, you know, they well, like. You know, one, one point I would just add is some practitioners love a test. And I worked with people in the past and I actually got my mum to go and see someone because I was like, I don't think I should see you. I think someone else should do it. It's better. Um, this was many years ago and she went down to Harley Street and spent close to a grand and was barely told anything and just handed a load of pills. And it was so oh, disappointing. And, and, oh, it was, it was ridiculous. And, and was not told the whys, not offered any advice on, just gone, like, told stress, managed stress. And you laugh because sometimes I run over with a client by about two hours. <laughs> but it's because I can see that the problem is not, they think it's what they're eating or that they're not training enough. And I'm like, no, the tr- the problem here is kind of like your whole attitude towards your body and your health. Like you drive it in the wrong direction. You're such a stress head. You're working too hard. And it takes me a while to explain all of that and mm-hmm. unravel it. Whereas I've seen other practitioners go straight in and go, there's a 300 pound test. There's another 300 pound test. And then you need to spend about 300 pounds on the supplement. They're a grand down yeah. and they don't know why. No. And it, I just 
disagree with that a lot and I but I do talk through the, the the test to some people and say I think you would really benefit because you're not making the changes without a test you know so that yeah. might be one way either. but it's like you say you know for, for some people it may not even be necessary you know like you if you get them to make the nutritional changes at the beginning you know make their diet more nutrient rich make their environment less toxic and it's only going to have a positive impact you know what I mean like yeah. for most people and you know, and then further down the line, you can assess and you can see where maybe things are going wrong. You know, if, you know, for example, let's say someone's taken the whole low carb thing to heart and taken carbs far too low, and they're not the kind of person that deals with fats too well, then, you know, like that, you can change that further down the line. But I think initially just changing, like we always do with people, changing, we don't cut calories, we just change where calories come from at first. And nine out of 10 people benefit from that. They feel better. They see a change in their body composition. And then, you know, that may be enough for that person. You never know. But in terms of the testing, I would say just don't jump straight into it. Unless, like Kerry said, you've been kind of at this for a while and you're kind of a bit like, I don't understand. My diet's good 90% of the time. I'm sleeping better. I've seen some improvement. But... yeah. If you've done 23andMe, I highly recommend using Genius to get a bit of a better insight if you just want to whisk your data through their reports. Um, it's useful. But as Matt said, and, and you know, you can kind of see if it is caffeine or alcohol or anything like that that's kind of inhibiting, you know, you haven't got that genetic ability to work, you know, to, to actually have them. It might help you give them up. Yeah. It might be like that last little, okay, I just need to knock all this coffee on the head. <gasps> Last last bit, I didn't even do the histamine cycle, and I'm not going to. Histamine is something that's produced. It's like an immune response. Um, so people <clears> that suffer from allergies, asthma, and sinus problems have often kind of um, a lot of histamine release in the body. There was a lot of SNPs associated with that, which are really useful because these people do tend to get quite quite ill quite frequently, and caffeine and alcohol were mentioned as inhibitors wow. of the breakdown of histamine. So rather than kind of going down the route of I need to do a low histamine diet, Tidy up everything else first. That was yeah. something. And Sammy was in there again. God, that's Sammy. <laughs> Sammy. He's everywhere. <laughs> He's everywhere. That'll do, I think. <laughs> but essentially the take-home message is... And smoking, sorry, as well. Wasn't there. Smoking is... was inhibiting all of them. Just clean your act up. <laughs> yeah. Eggs. Eggs. <laughs> bananas. Eat eggs and bananas and eggs. get more sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <There> it is. <laughs> Actually, Caroline, who is... Uh, Bobby, obviously, Bobby's her little boy, is a naturopath. She's got, is it Nourishing Notes is her... Yeah, it is Nourishing Nourishing Notes yeah, is her notes, Facebook yeah. page. She's awesome. Um, she said that one of the things she'd read about as a tea, as a, as a sorry, as a sleep aid, was to boil up banana skin. Did I tell you this? Oh, yeah, like banana tea. To make banana tea. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really rich in magnesium, apparently. So I don't know if this is a good thing, but a little bit of banana skin fell in my smoothie and I just left it in there and blitzed it. Could could. <laughs> <laughs> and stomach ache for about three days. No, no. <laughs> awesome. no I'm right. going to try banana tea though. Try that. Let's wrap it up. Yep. Guys, that was a long gun, wasn't it? It was, but we did something quite complicated quite easily, I think. Yeah, we've done well. We've done well. It's probably worth confessing that was actually take two. Yeah. We, we, we recorded an episode earlier and we were a bit like, mm. It's all over the shop. To be what, fair, that one was as well. <laughs> no, I think that was better. That's better. Yeah, okay. better. Cool. This one will go Awesome, through. guys. Again, you know, any questions about the things that we've spoken about on these podcasts, get in touch. Any questions you'd like us to answer in future podcasts, get in touch. Um, if you like, if you like this episode or any of the other episodes, and you haven't left a review let, uh, yet on iTunes, please, please do. We really appreciate it, and uh, share it away with anybody that you feel may be of benefit. But guys, have an awesome day, evening, weekend whatever wherever you are in the week when you're listening to this and we'll see you over in the next episode Bye. see ya